everybody welcome back to the upside swings draft podcast the podcast of the highest ceiling i'm your host bryce hendricks joined as always by stone hansen and ryan davis and join in the next in our series of guests one of the greats one of the first people i ever started interacting with on draft twitter uh runs a great podcast does great writing and that's lee branscombe of which carolina lee how you doing i am fantastic guys it's draft season you know, the, the, I feel like, you know, obviously we, we've still got a, a, a um, we still got a champion to crown, but other than that, it's pretty much like full go draft season. So people are clamoring for the opinions and I'm happy to provide a few. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're very excited to get back in here. The Hornets are a fascinating team with uh, one of the best rising young stars. And it's an excuse for me to talk about my favorite guy on earth, uh, but we'll get into that later. First, uh, Davis, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Just, just like, like y'all say, uh, we're entering full, full blown draft season, basketball season, uh, finals. Obviously, I'm a Suns fan, so I'm still uh, really interested in that. Um, but, but outside of that, yeah, just happy to be here. Happy to happy to talk basketball and and happy to get a a, a special guest on on here with us. For sure. And then Stone, how are you doing, my guy? I'm doing great. Um, it's in it. it probably the craziest week of draft content I've been involved in. Um, it's like 10 to 12 hours every day of draft stuff. Uh, but I'm, the adrenaline is pumping. So I am full, ready to go full steam ahead. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely crazy right now. I, I, I have put out two pieces this week. Um, and then, or I think one might've been last week. I don't know. It all blends together. Uh, but I'm working and I'm, I'm recording like three podcasts a night and writing and watching tape. It's, uh, it's exciting. This is sort of the home stretch. Like Lee mentioned, we do still have a champion to crown, but, uh, who cares about that? Rings are for suckers. We're here for 18, 19 year olds about to step onto the court. Um, but that being said, uh, the Hornets, uh, interesting team uh led of course or maybe not led but most notable is uh the great Lamelo ball uh six seven point guard uh just he was the third pick in the draft last year i think most people would make the argument that uh that was too low at this point but the hornets were happy to get him uh they also have the likes of gordon hayward and terry rogier uh pj washington miles bridges interesting young guys um, they have a sort of interesting team going. They uh, obviously lost in the play-in uh, in the first game to the Pacers. So, Lee, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are sort of some holes this roster has, whether it be right now or maybe for building into the long-term future? What are some holes that need to be filled, and who do you like around this pick to, to kind of fill those holes? Yeah, well, I think um, and and really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I've enjoyed following all of you guys and, and interacting with you on Twitter.com. So it's nice to actually get to get to kind of uh, meet face to face over Zoom and, and, and banter about some of these guys. But from a Hornets standpoint, I think there's probably like there's probably two archetypes that stand out, particularly uh, from a needs standpoint uh rim protection has been a weakness of this team uh going on two years now it was slightly improved this past season due to the emergence of pj washington and miles bridges both kind of um 
evolving slightly as rim protectors. Both of them, if you look at like pretty much any block or rim protection number that 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 you want to pull up, those are uh, fairly fairly impressively improved year over year. Um, but but they still just lack that like for lack of a of a of a term to sum it up, like your Nerlens Noel, Jared Allen, Mitchell Robinson archetype. Like there's just no uh, rim roll, rim finish, rim run, pogo stick on this roster. Um, you know, Bismack Biombo is a free agent. He's a minimum guy at best, obviously. Cody, Cody Zeller is a free agent. He brings uh, certain qualities that are useful, but rim protection is not really one of them. Um, and, and, and so I think a lot of people assume that the Hornets may try and target, you know, a young center in this draft. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a necessity. I also think that Mitch Kupchak and his time as, as GM has, has, has shown that he's not necessarily uh, going to try and fill a roster out by need. He, he's going to kind of take the best player available, available evidenced by the LaMelo pick last year. Um, and then the other the other big need is is point of attack defense, um, and I'm sure we'll kind of talk about uh, free agency in context too because that may matter. Uh, Devontae Graham and Malik Monk are both free agents this summer. Um, point of attack defense is just not something the Hornets really possess right now. Lamelo is brilliant as he is, and in a lot of ways, you know he he's not a point of attack defender at this point in his career. Terry Rozier is a national icon and a guy that I defend on, on Twitter ad nauseum. He's not a, a, an elite point of attack defender, and neither is Devontae Graham. So, uh, you know, those are two pretty important um, archetypes to, to have, particularly on the defensive end of the basketball floor, and the Hornets could use help in both departments. Um, they were still able to kind of like tread water as a, as a league average defensive team for most of the year. A lot of that was due to like – James, James Borrego playing zone and, and different kind of little tricks um, that they used um, to do that. Um, so I, I guess if y'all want to kind of rotate into starting to just like banter about some names, because I know that's what we love to do. If we're talking about the rim protection archetype, I think there's two names that stick out to me just above the rest. And Bryce, that's your guy, Kai Jones. And that's also... Uh, Isaiah Jackson from the University of Kentucky and obviously they're very different prospects but they both um, they both would fit that archetype and, and kind of that that vision and that need yeah right. go ahead Stone. I was just gonna say really quickly before we, we get into that rim protection archetype is do the uh, Hornets already have a rim protector and they just aren't utilizing him properly in PJ Washington uh, because I feel like there's upside there. It's just uh, maybe the Hornets don't view him in that sort of mold. Well, and that's so, so I'm glad you brought that up stone because, you know, that's the, that's kind of the, the dilemma here. Um, if you look at all of the Hornets numbers from last year, um, PJ Washington at the five were by far their most productive lineups and, and by a pretty massive margin. Cody Zeller at the five basically treaded water flat. Bismack Biombo at the five was just a sieve. I mean, they're like, I without looking at it, it's like a negative nine, you know, on the year from a net rating standpoint with Biz on the floor. So to your point, Stone, like it's obviously true that the Hornets are not a great rim protection team by the numbers, but it's also true 
that P.J. Washington at the five and playing a little bit of a smaller lineup has been their most productive way to win games. So how do you balance trying to fill that archetype versus taking away minutes from P.J. at the five? Because that may not be the best idea. And you're right. To my point earlier, like blocks per 48, blocks per game, opponents' attempts at the rim, all of those numbers are improved for P.J. Washington from rookie year to second year. So he is becoming a better rim protector. Um, I think the problem is, on the whole, the Hornets are still a below-league average team protecting the rim. So I don't think that it's necessarily that there's an option sitting there they're not utilizing. I think it's either P.J. Washington continuing to evolve into even better of a rim protector or finding that piece, whether it's through the draft or whether it's for, through free agency or trade. Um, now, the only other like little small caveat I would give to that is they did take two centers in the second round last year, Nick Richards and Vernon Carey Jr. Neither of them were able to ever truly carve out any minutes or ever even actually um, uh, beat out biz in the rotation. Uh, Borrego just kind of leans on, on that veteran presence, I guess, rather than giving one of the younger guys a shot. I was more bullish on Richards than I was Carey in the last cycle. So it kind of depends on how you feel about those guys. But we all know, like, you, as much as you may like a player in a vacuum, you can't necessarily depend on second-round picks to ever be um, super productive rotation pieces. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and that's a lot to work with. Um, I'm going to jump – we'll get to Kai Jones. We will. But I'm actually going to jump a little bit on uh, what Stone said with P.J. Washington potentially being uh, that latent rim protector – I think rim protection is is sort of sneakily like one of those things. It's just sort of like wings in basketball. It's like, do you really have too much? You know, if 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 PJ Washington ends up being like a really helpful second side rim protector, and you can get a center in there who can also protect the rim and is maybe a little mobile, that's a really versatile and really interesting defensive front court. Especially Miles Bridges, uh, really underrated. Like had some of the best improvement I've ever seen as a on-ball defender this year. I mean, went from truly terrible to, to being able to at least hold his own. Uh, I might be, over, I might be overstating truly terrible, but there were moments he looked really bad well, um, in his first couple yeah. of years. And, and this last year he was, he was passable. And, and that's the type of thing that you can kind of expect to continue growing um, with the improvement it's made. It just, it really looked like he kind of figured out how to use his body Um and that was shown on the offensive end as well. Um, but those two guys, Isaiah Jackson, Kai Jones, both offer sort of different types of fits next to PJ Washington as rim protectors. And then offensively, they can both be really interesting. Uh, Davis, I'm going to throw it to you first to, to maybe break down, like what you think of Isaiah Jackson here in Charlotte? Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely like uh, the rim protecting fill uh, that, that Isaiah Jackson would, bring to Charlotte. Um, I, I do think 11 or yeah, they have 11, um, is a little too high. Um, so I, I think if they could trade back a little bit, um, and then, and then take Isaiah Jackson, I, I would prefer that. Um, I, I obviously like Kai Jones, um, a little, a little more, uh, quite a bit more with that pick actually. Um, there might even be like a few other guys I think, I think can fit. Um, more than Isaiah Jackson, but I think I, I think I am lower on uh, Isaiah Jackson than most. Um, 
the, the rim protecting is obviously there, which is which is what Carolina can use, or which what Charlotte can use. Um, but like I, I think even like you know like a like a sin gun, I've seen him mock there quite a bit. Um, I think he can he can kind of kind of fit there too with Washington being that that rim protector that he that he became um, this season. But um, I I mean I like Jackson. I, I would prefer if they would move back a little bit and then if they were if they were going to take Jackson um but I like Kai Jones there um even even Alperin Singh and um even even like like Garuba um you know something like that I I like there as well I think before I get into Kai Jones because I assume that's going to be the the biggest portion of the pie uh, when it comes to this podcast in terms of what we talk about um I I think we should hit on Singoon I'll use this opportunity to plug Bryce's piece that you just put out today about Singun, a really good in-depth piece, um, breaking kind of down his breaking down his thoughts on on him. Um, and I think there's there's some divisiveness am- amongst at least draft Twitter in regards to Singun and how people view him. I think, um, and just to clarify, sort of the perspective of those of us who maybe aren't quite as high um, as those who are, I, I think. When it comes to Singoon, um, and maybe this is applicable to the Hornets, I think, but also to most other teams that would be taking him, um, I think he's he's still very good at what he does, right? He's still a very, very good post player, and he does things outside of post playing. Uh, I, I just think predominantly the offense he has is predicated and generated through the post, um, and I think people may misconstrue that into thinking uh, that's me saying he can't do other things outside of that, uh, which I, he can. I just think it is predominantly that is where his bread and butter comes from. Um, and I think taking somebody that highly, um, you have to be very, very sure that you are going to get somebody that is worth running your offense through a post game like that, because Although he can do other things, that's predominantly what he's going to be doing. And if you are taking him and he can't be that, he can't be a guy to uh, be like, you know, a top two option on your team through the post. I think there is concerns, at least for me, uh, in regards to what his sort of role is and, and if that is worthy of taking him uh, as highly as some may project. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm going to throw it back to Lee here shortly. Um, I did write that Sangoon piece. Um, and I think something that's that's really important with this pick is that you have to think about optimizing Lamello. Um, and Sangoon isn't someone who I think really does that. Uh, his, his sort of best fit, I think, is with a really good playmaker but not one who 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 runs the way LaMelo does. I think LaMelo's best context is with an offense that moves really fast where you can get a lot of touches, but where he's not necessarily the heliocentric creator in the half court. Um, but in the full court, he needs to get a lot of touches. Sengun isn't someone who I love in transition. Uh, I, I think his best form of transition is sort of the grab and go, and, and you don't want that if you have LaMelo to run the break for you. Um, but Lee... Uh, you know, we've teased it forever uh, and you can hit on said goon or Isaiah Jackson if you'd like first, but uh, give us the little breakdown of how you feel Kai Jones fits here in Charlotte. Well, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, for me, 
Charlotte and Kyle Jones, it, it kind of boils down to like, I don't think we're going to get a shot at him, but if we do, I think we have to take it. Um, like I'm of the opinion that Kai Jones won't be there at 11. Um, that's, that's just my, my like gut feeling and, and, and opinion in terms of uh, where I have him on my board. And I know Bryce, you're, you're even higher on him than I am. So um, he, he's certainly like a wish list item for me. Now, um, if he, if he is drafted at 11 for the Charlotte Hornets, um it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting um, kind of transition because um, we have had, like we've already talked about, we've had so much success with PJ Washington at the four and Miles Bridges at the five. You kind of wonder how he plugs into that versatile kind of hybrid front court that already exists and that's already established themselves. So um, I, I don't know even necessarily that if you take Kai Jones, he's like an immediate contributor um on this roster just because there there is a lot of front and and look they they they've got they've got they've just got big young wings on this team I mean even a guy like Jaden McDaniels has earned a right to kind of compete and fight for minutes and and he brings some of the uh not not as not in as an explosive and impressive way but he does bring some of those same qualities uh that Kai Jones does to a roster and the archetype that you're looking for there is you know, a multivariate skilled wing um, that can stretch the floor and protect the rim. And those guys obviously are incredibly hard to find. Uh, I think a lot of people um, mischaracterize what kind of like Kai Jones potential ceiling could be. Nobody on this podcast, obviously, because I've all heard you guys kind of like speak about him very intelligently. I think some people seem to think that he's just kind of like this uh, vertical lob threat rim protector it's like no like Kai Jones's ultimate ceiling is um, a playmaker with the ball and like th- and like interesting things he can do on the wing as an isolation scorer that's why Kai Jones is uh, at his best case scenario mind you uh, is so incredibly intriguing and and, and tempting um, so uh, I, I think he, I think he would uh, play a lot of um, play a lot of like what you would call five for the Charlotte Hornets, because that's kind of um, already baked into to kind of our roster construction and strategy. I also think um, Bryce's point is really well, well uh, received. Like the pick you're making, like the end all be all shouldn't be like, how does LaMelo fit with this guy? But like, you're kidding yourself. If that's not if that's not uh, factored in to this draft decision, because it should be, and I think providing Lamelo with uh, a versatile pick and roll partner uh, with a young center is super important, and and that's why I like Isaiah Jackson. I'm a little higher on him than most because um, because you know look like. Obviously, shooting the ball to stretch the floor is the most traditional way to stretch the floor. A vertical lob threat also stretches the floor in its in its own way. Like the like the 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 pressure that puts on a defense, um, it it creates opportunities in the same way that a great shooter does. Um, so I think Isaiah Jackson. I mean, you saw what Miles Bridges was able to do with Lamelo in the pick and roll at times this season, um, and and how effective that pairing uh, was. So. Um, obviously I'm kind of like rambling and ranting about different prospects and their fit with the Hornets here, but I think to sum up, 
Um, I would be incredibly happy with Kai Jones 11. I don't think we're going to get a chance to draft him, uh, which is why I guess I've kind of like spent my, uh, um, like my intellectual capital on more, on more of like the Isaiah Jackson route, because I think that's more of a reasonable option um, that'll be available to the Hornets. Um, and the Sangoon stuff's interesting. I'm just kind of like with Bryce in terms of the fits, just not as great. Uh, completely agree with Stone too. Like the most interesting thing for me personally with Sangoon is uh, at his age, the way he scans the floor when he when he has the ball in the post and the way he's able to whip it to the opposite side to a shooter or throw a little bounce pass to to a cutter from the opposite side, that's really rare for his age and his size and his skill set. But that's not necessarily what the Charlotte Hornets need. Yeah, that's. Man, that was so great. Uh, this is exactly how we got Lee on the pod. Uh, he gives us so much to work with. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to Kai Jones first because, uh, of course, I am. Um, I think I'm with you. Where I think Kai Jones is is the ideal pick here at 11, um, both for Kai Jones and for the Hornets. I've mentioned in pods past that to me the ideal Kai fits are either Charlotte or uh, OKC. Those are sort of the ideal places for him to land uh, i actually do think there's a solid chance he'll be here um the top 10 is sort of murky right like you ha- i feel like the top five is somewhat set and then six or seven eight it seems like you know two of those picks are going to be scotty barnes and davion mitchell and then after that it sort of seems really wide open um why i like kai here and and i'll let stone and davis dive in a bit more to the fit but this charlotte team is is likely too good to ever get another top three pick without crazy lottery luck, and you nailed the you nailed the last top three pick you got. You got Lamelo Ball, best player in that draft, still in the, in my opinion, uh, will be the best player in this draft ten years back. You got someone who you can start to build a franchise around. Whether Lamelo Ball is, is quite good enough to be like the only main guy on a on a championship level team, uh, who's to say? I'm not one to say that yet, but I'm also not one to say no. I think Kai Jones has a legitimate chance to develop into a second star next to Lamelo. Um, what the likelihood of that is, I don't I don't know, but his his ability to score at six eleven. Um, in the half court, in the full court, in isolation, with or without the ball. I mean, he presents so many facets um, that would really unlock uh, a little bit of the Hornet ceiling in the long term, I think. I actually think he fits really well with Bridges and Washington, too, because he lets them do a lot of different things defensively, whether it be continuing to run that zone or... Uh, or or mix it up with some switching, whatever it may be. I, I think he's so versatile that he can kind of fit in, in what would kind of look like a new age uh, front court with with a six five, six seven, and six eleven guy who not one of them is really the three, not one is really the five. They're just kind of all uh, sliding around, and then Lamelo can really unlock what that team could be. Um, and, and that's I, I think it's the perfect value play here at eleven. It's just it might be your best bet at a second star alongside LaMelo that fits that age curve. Uh, not someone like a Gordon Hayward who is obviously uh, quite a bit older than Melo. Um, but stone you're, you're a fellow Kai guy on this pod. Uh, what do you think of his specific fit here and what he would look like long-term next to LaMelo ball? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, okay. 
so basically like the second Lamella was drafted to the Hornets, I was like, I can't wait for Kai Jones to be a Hornet. And then <laughs> now that we have the opportunity for that to possibly happen, it's it's like my dream come true. Like I was so excited about, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but whatever. So I was super excited about Cole Anthony and, and Chuma Okiki. Like, oh man, if they went to the Magic, I'd be so excited. And they got there. So I was I was pumped. And then now that Kai might go to the Hornets. Anyways, um, so that's a long way of saying I really like Kai on the Hornets because I think uh, to a lot of the points you guys have already stated, the lob threat, obviously, like there's a case to be made. He's the best lob threat in this entire class. Uh, putting him in a pick and roll with Lamelo would just be unreal. Uh, defensively, I'm still not entirely sold on him as like an elite rim protector. Uh, much like a Nick Claxton, where I think they're serviceable in that role, but I'm not entirely sure that they're like, you know, really, really great rim protectors, where I think I'm probably more sold on Isaiah Jackson being that than Kai. That said, everything else Kai Jones does uh, significantly outweighs um, Isaiah Jackson, in my opinion. Um, and offensively, I think um, Kai can space the floor for them too. Uh, you know, maybe not right away. That might be something a little bit down the road, but uh, eventually being able to um, not only be an elite lob threat, but being someone who can roll outside to the three-point line would be pretty huge for him and Lamelo in a pick and roll and really add to that dynamicism. Uh, and then you have Miles and PJ there as well. Um, two other guys who are also significant lob threats. So <laughs> Lamelo just really has his, his pick right of the crop in terms of who he wants to uh, hit on a backdoor cut or whatever. Um and then what Kai Jones does defensively in terms of switchability, like him and, and Miles and PJ, those three together, not only offensively is that really enticing because um, PJ and Miles has even become a really good shooter. Uh, but on, on the defensive end, those three guys can really switch everything if they wanted to. If Borrego were to find a system where um, and, and Lamella were to improve enough to be able to do this, they can – uh, honestly, Lamella is so big as a point guard, they can switch pretty much everything. Um, and, and it's something that not a lot of teams would have the personnel to do, but I think Kai Jones would allow them to do that. Obviously, that's a little bit more of an optimal context. Um, but in, in regards to that, I think um, just being able to have that possibility is really enticing for the Hornets. So I am a huge proponent of Kai Jones to the Hornets. Um, even if it's not him being drafted this year, if it's happened five years down the road, I will still be super excited. So uh, I'm, I've been manifesting it for years at this point. <laughs> so Lee, I want to ask you really quickly and, and we'll move on to your sort of nightmare picks in a second, but I want to ask you, where do you think Kai Jones goes if he doesn't fall here to Charlotte at 11, where, you mentioned it's sort of just a gut feeling. Uh, where, where does your gut tell you he's going to end up? Uh, well, I'm not sure I have like a necessarily like a specific team that I think is going to take him. This is, this is just more like of how I value him as a prospect in this draft. I just, I just don't think we're going to, and, and I'm like, I'm with both of you guys. Like it's, it's a home run. It's the pick to make if it presents itself to you. Um, but I just, and, and this was, I was the same way with Patrick Williams last year. Like I thought Patrick Williams was a top five player in the class. 
And he ended up going in the top five because there was at least one team that shared that opinion. Um, so it, for me, it's not necessarily that I see like some perfect fit in front of the Hornets or uh, that I'm kind of like pontificating on uh, a destination for Kai Jones. It's more his talent. I mean, Bryce, you said it yourself, like he is, uh, and look, we know historically, like it's, it, it's more likely not to work out than it is to work out, but he is a swing at a star. And if you, if you get a chance to do that at 11 for the Hornets, for a lot of the reasons you just laid out, uh, because of their roster construction, their timeline, they're probably not going to get a ton of more chances um, to, to swing at a star. Um, so I just like agree with that, Bryce, and think that there's going to be a team in the top 10 that says we've got to, we've got to take this guy if he's still available to us. So I guess to me, it's more his relative upside and talent versus the field that he's being selected against and not having a ton of um, confidence or optimism, even though I do hope that it does happen, that, that he somehow lasts to 11. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I like that you brought up Patrick Williams in that mold too, because uh, Patrick was like the latest riser I've ever seen in any draft. Mm -hmm. It felt like he was top, mm -hmm. talked about as like not even a lottery pick. And then like two weeks before the draft, I was listening to Chaz Ford podcast. He's like, oh, I think Patrick Williams is going to go seven to the Pistons. And like <laughs> completely wiped me off my, you know, like I was completely taken aback and he ends up going four. And honestly, it looks like a great pick. I, he probably should have gone two or three. Um, not ahead of LaMelo, of course, but uh, Patrick Williams is someone who I've come around on was low on pre-draft. And then uh, I listened to you and, and Chuck talk about him a little bit and I was kicking myself immediately. Um, but I'm going to throw it back to you, Lee. I mentioned it a second ago and I just wonder, like, aside from Kai Jones not falling, which is obviously a nightmare scenario, should be for any team. Uh, what are some like nightmare scenarios, whether it be what they do with this pick or, or if they were to trade the pick um, just like what, what's like a nightmare. Like you'd wake up the morning after the draft and just feel awful if the Hornets did this. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll kind of um, I'll kind of make another point while I, I tell you what a potential nightmare scenario would be. Um, I, I think like I kind of said at the beginning, I think most people are expecting the Hornets to take a swing at front court talent at 11. And, and, and that's probably the most realistic outcome, but I do think people are discounting the kind of uh, significance, I guess, of the Monk and Graham free agency and the possibility that the Hornets could go guard at 11 and use that as, you know, not primarily like they're going to take a prospect because because Mick Kupchak thinks that they're an incredible prospect, but taking a guard like just throwing a random name out there like taking Jaden Springer at 11 uh, would give you some, you know, you can't count on a rookie to replace like uh, veteran production, but that gives you a little bit more to work with in terms of okay, do we bring back both Monk and Graham. Do we bring back one of the two? Okay, at least we have another kind of like offensive organizer, downhill driver, creation type player on the roster when while we're trying to figure out what's going to happen with Graham and Monk this summer. So I, I say that just to kind of highlight the idea that it's not a forgiven conclusion that the Hornets are going to swing at front court out. I think it's totally possible that they, that, they, that they take a guard or a creator type. 
it's even possible that they take like a wing shooter type. Like I don't think Moody or Kispert is out of the question either. Um, my nightmare scenario, and it's not that I hate this prospect by any means. I just, I, I, I don't love the fit with the Hornets at all. Although he probably would be a little uh, more ready to contribute than some of the younger prospects I like more. Um, Davion Mitchell, um, not a ma- not a massive fan, particularly of him at eleven with Charlotte. Um, it it would it would be kind of an uninspiring pick in a lot of ways. I think um, you know we we've already kind of got this trio. Of course, depending on who's retained, we've already kind of got this trio a- around Lamelo of um, you know smaller guards. Obviously, Monk, Graham, and Rozier are not exactly uh, you know. Uh, you know, they're not exactly Lou Dort out there. So, um, you know, it would, it would be a little bit more of the same. Um, I've kind of got some reservations on Davion as, uh, you know, what is he really as a shooter? Obviously he shot the ball incredibly well this year and that shouldn't be taken away from him at all. What is that going to mean for, at, a, at, a, at an NBA level? Is he truly like a 38 to 40% three point shooter? I'm not sure that he is. Uh, didn't draw a ton of fouls as, as, as kind of like the reputation he has is like a violent downhill driver. You would have thought he would have got to the line a lot more than he did. Um, not to say that he's not ready to comp- potentially contribute in like a second unit. Um, I just think if, if that's who we come away with at 11, it'll be a, uh, it'll be a somber, which Carolina recap pod. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, it's yeah, sort of that's the common, right? the common answer. Yep. Yep, that's what I was going to say. There's quite a few people who we've had on with picks sort of in this range. Uh, most notably, I feel like Evan Zamir was very passionate about it uh, with the Warriors. This Davion Mitchell just seems to be like an uninspiring lottery pick. It's sort of like a, uh, uh, oh, well, I guess, I guess that's what we'll do. Not that he's a bad player. I think there's a lot to project there, but it's just sort of, it feels like it, it, it's your franchise kind of, sputtering its wheels a little bit and just sort of deciding this is the team. So we'll just add another cog instead of uh, trying to maybe, you know, change the, change the look of it a little bit. Um, That's really interesting. Uh, And I love that you mentioned that there's uh, some guards they could draft. Uh, This guy probably, I would actually say more than probably almost certainly isn't in play at 11, but I'd be remiss to not let you uh, just, just talk a slight little bit about uh, your guy, Deuce McBride. Um, you, uh, have been the foremost guy talking about how much you love him. How, uh, do you have him in your lottery league? I'll just let you just, just give a little take on Deuce because I also think he would be a fascinating fit here. If, um, if you could maybe trade back into the first round or something, uh, you you could talk about trades too, as well, if you want, just, I want to hear, I want to hear the, the Deuce take in person. Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, I'm not a huge fan. I don't think of trading back. Like I like the bevy of prospects that are going to be potentially available to us at 11. I think Mitch Kupchak has proven uh, with PJ Washington and Miles Bridges, both in this range that he's pretty adept at, at, at selecting kind of in the, in the late lottery. So like, let's let him do what he's done over the past two to three years and, and make another selection here rather than, you know, they've kind of thrown out like, oh, trade back for like 16 and 18 or, you know, whatever, like a couple picks in the 20s. 
Um, I just think there's a fairly decent drop off there and would, 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 would rather us stay and select out of the group that's here. Um, I do have Miles McBride in my lottery. I know that that's like a minority opinion against consensus right now, but he's just um, a player that I've been incredibly high on in, throughout this entire cycle. Um, you know, I think, I guess the main thing I would bring up with him first is a quality that I uh, appreciate in guards. Miles McBride is kind of that unique cocktail of um, second side creation or either or even second unit creation with the ball in his hands if you need him to be um, but but can also very easily exist uh, off ball next to more of a like um, accomplished uh, on the ball playmaking engine right because like he has floor spacing equity he shoots the ball well he can be that second side creator off closeouts. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for. Um, and then that, and so, so, so I guess my point there is just like valuing guards that can create in a pinch, but also space, space the floor for your more premier type playmakers. That's something that's very valuable to me. Then you add in the other layer of the fact that he's maybe arguably one of the two or three best on-ball defenders in this draft class. And that just creates a really nice recipe for me for a guard that I think can't fail. And for a guard that I actually think has a bit more uh, upside, I think, than people are giving him credit for. Like, I think everybody mostly agrees, like, Miles McBride is a really nice player. He's going to slide in. He's going to do well. I think there's a bit more upside, I think, than most um, are, are, I guess, projecting because of that, like, underrated athleticism, I mean, you just look at like what he did in the first half to Cade Cunningham in the Oklahoma State matchup and Cade's fantastic and Cade in three years, um, you know, is, is, is maybe going to be one of the better young players in the world. So I'm not taking any way, anything away from Cade. I'm just saying watch that example of the way he just harasses like a very advanced playmaker. And, um, and you're going to get, you're going to see what he's going to be able to do at the next level too, in my opinion. So I think he's a lottery talent. Uh, he gives me a lot of like in, in different ways, but he gives me a lot of like Emmanuel quickly vibes from last draft cycle, a guy who can contribute in a lot of different ways. And it's probably going to outperform his, his, uh, his selection. So, I mean, me personally, yeah, let's go for it. Let's take him at 11 and, uh, and get some, uh, get some guard insurance, but you know, more likely, obviously he's probably a late teens pick or something like that. Yeah. I would, I would, say if if uh, Charlotte took Deuce it would probably be the funnest team or personally for me outside of Phoenix of course because I already really like Bridges ball especially if they get Kai um, either either Kai or Deuce honestly it'd probably be the funnest team for me to watch it's definitely a league pass a, it's definitely a league pass <laughs> watch for sure which I you know like I said at the beginning it's uh it's a little interesting to be in this in this situation after being kind of a boring franchise for the last two decades, but here we are. We're we're fun to watch. Yeah, it's crazy what what one or maybe two players can. I mean, uh, Terry Rozier should not go underrated in terms of the fun. Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder if there is a way. Now you just make me want. Like now I just want it. Like, is there a way they could? keep 11 draft Kai Jones and then trade it to like 
21 with the Knicks and get like is that is that possible? I I, I certainly Let's hope. Um, Stone, you looked like you were about to say something, so, so go right ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that uh, you know, speaking of fun players, um, right. someone that Lee really likes, um, <laughs> Sandro Mama Kelishvili on the Hornets. Uh, I imagine that's like one of his dream scenarios. Um, so go ahead and talk to your heart's content about Sandro. Because... You guys are just like letting me rant about all my favorite prospects. <laughs> That's what we're here I'll for, man. Come on this spot anytime. <laughs> just, just one second. Just one second before you do that. I do want to know uh, the Hornets have the 56th and 57th pick in this draft. Um, I would say both are likely to be selected by the Hornets or maybe packaged to move up. Um, so Sandro is certainly in play for them. This is, this is not quite like Deuce where it's just a, uh, uh, uh dream in the mind's eye I, I think there's a legitimate possibility that uh sandro could be a charlotte hornet next year um so with that being said lee uh, go ahead give us the spiel yeah I, I think this is possible and i mean you know it depends on how much you read into this stuff you, you probably shouldn't a whole lot right but sandro did come to charlotte and work out um and one of the, i think charlotte's had four or five different excuse me workout groups um, and he, you know, he has, he has been in Charlotte. So, um, look, I mean, you know, Sandro Mamakilashvili is a six eleven uh, swing man that can do a little bit of everything. The, the, the knock on him might be that he doesn't necessarily do one thing incredibly well. Like he's an adept ball handler. He's a solid playmaker. He's an average shooter. Uh, he is a better mover than people give him credit for, for sure. Like, He's never going to be a defensive stopper. He's never going to be all league, like none of that stuff. And, and, and frankly, from an historic standpoint, like if Sandro can just become a rotation piece, that's, that's successful from a, from an historical standpoint for a guy that's likely a mid to late second round pick, or even possibly like a priority undrafted free agent. Like that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility. There are good, there are good players that go undrafted every year. Um, but but since we are sitting here with two of these late round picks, um, I, I would love to get Sandro. Um, you know, from a fit standpoint, it's maybe not like a, a match made in heaven because we kind of do have a decent amount of like second unit playmaking with all the guards we have on our roster, particularly if, if Monk and Graham come back, which if you had to make me like make a prediction, I would probably think they would retain both those guys um just kind of of that philosophy of like keep the assets in house as long as you can until you have to make a decision um also Rozier's uh going to be playing on an expiring contract this year so there's no shortage of decisions coming up for this for this Charlotte Hornets front office um but look I mean I mean you just you don't get this kind of like cocktail of of size skill and movement and basketball instincts um, that, that you do with, with Sandro. And, um, I mean, in my opinion, he's a top 40 prospect in this class. I know that's probably another minority opinion. Um, but, but I think he's another guy that will outperform expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That that's entirely fair. I think, uh, Sandro is like basically a point guard, which is pretty crazy. (laughs) Like him and friends, (laughs) they're almost like, uh, and and Stone. To your point, like not to cut you off just quickly, though, like last year with Miles Powell, he almost had to do no playmaking this year. I mean, you know, like Jared Roden's a nice wing. 
um, you know, McKnight was like a former walk-on. Like Sandro was like usage skyrocketed this season. So I was just saying to your point, his senior year at Seton Hall, he had he was shouldered with massive amounts of playmaking responsibility. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's pretty, and he handled it well. Um, he did. He, he did a good job of like basically being a point guard, which is <laughs> crazy for a six ten guy. Um, and Mitch Kupchak, I mean, as a Lakers fan, I've seen you know a lot of his draft picks, and he's pretty good at finding talent late in the draft. Like we got Jordan Clarkson with the second round pick, and he, he's good at finding th- these late round guys. I mean, at more recently, like McDaniel's. Uh, the Martin twins, like he, he's been able to find good uh, value late. So these 56th and 57th picks may not be, um, you know, completely worthless or anything because uh, it is a deep draft and Mitch Kupchak's pretty good at finding late round talent. Um, that being said, is there any other uh, guys that you like with these, these last two picks here? Yeah. So, I mean, like, let's assume they don't, take the front court swing like let's just say Kai Jones isn't there and 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 maybe uh just for you know conversation's sake maybe the Hornets aren't as high on Isaiah Jackson as I am uh and they go guard or wing um I think Yev's or sorry Yves Pons from Tennessee is worth a potential late second round uh pick particularly for the Charlotte Hornets he's another guy that worked out in Charlotte this summer um and, you know, he, he just brings like super unique qualities uh, from like a small ball five rim protection standpoint. Uh, so obviously Eves Ponds is, is, is primarily a defensive upside prospect um, and, and kind of completely understand that he's, he's kind of a matter of preference and taste based on whether you feel like he's, he's draftable or maybe he's more of just like a top 80 guy kind of depending on how you view him. I think though specifically for the Charlotte Hornets, that that's that's the type of archetype that would be worth like throwing a dart at a dartboard on um, just because of the qualities he brings. Another guy that in my opinion is, is far superior to a guy like Pons, a guy that I don't think will be available at this pick, but, but that I'll mention because I see some people uh, putting him in this range um, and I, I don't know how y'all feel about this prospect, but I don't think we're going to get a shot at Dayron Sharp. But if we did and somehow he slipped into the late second round, I've seen him there on certain boards. Uh, that would be a no brainer, in my opinion. The, the last guy I'll mention is, is a guard that I've kind of been beating the drum on. Uh, he's, he goes undrafted in, in a lot of like mocks and, and even uh, top 60 boards. And that's Dwayne Washington um, from Ohio State. Another guy that Charlotte has worked at out a uh, 37% three-point shooter on on massive volume and he took over 200 threes this year at Ohio State a little bit better of a playmaker than people realize um, some of the matchups he had against some pretty impressive decent defensive guards like he didn't have a whole lot of problems creating and getting to his spot against so he's another guy that I think's gonna um, that's gonna outperform Dwayne Washington to me is a top 45 prospect in this draft and I think he's just super underrated right now. Wouldn't be shocked to see the Hornets swing at him. And then the last thing I'll say, I do think at some point in this draft, they're going to take a swing at a big point of attack defender if they can. Now there's probably only like a couple names that really fit that description, particularly now with um, Terrence Shannon Jr. out of the draft, who I loved in that archetype. But 
Um, I think Aaron Henry and Herb Jones are both possibilities just because I mentioned kind of the point attack deficit uh, that, that currently exists on this Hornets roster. So wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if they don't fill that, you know, at 11 um, with one of these guards that, that can really um, heat you up on the ball. I wouldn't be surprised to, for them to like uh, take a lick at, at one of these uh, bigger uh, defensive wings. Raekwon Gray would be like the third guy I would put in kind of that archetype. Yeah, that's that's great. You should give us a lot to work with. Um, I I really like you. Daron Sharp is another one. Just your guys uh, talked about him a ton. I still like the first the first thing I've ever heard you on was when you talked about. I think you talked about Daron and Deuce with uh, chucking darts like way back. I want to say that was January or February. Early. Uh, days. Yeah, yeah. Early days of this draft class. Um, you know, Daron and Dwayne are both two guys. I'm I'm quite a bit lower on than you, but Dayron specifically, I, I really see his fit here. Um, I, he he just he hustles. I mean, he just he kind of brings an element that this team doesn't really have outside of Bismack Biombo, I suppose, and just that he he really just he likes to put his nose to the ground and really grind it out. Um, and, and that passing could be really interesting uh, paired with the front court they have. Um, I I. Dwayne Washington reminds me a lot of Grant Riller, who they took. Was that the 58th pick last year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little different. Like Griller, uh, Griller, Riller is a is a much burstier guard. Like that was one skill was that he just has the burst to get right to the rim. Um, Dwayne Washington is just sort of that like uh, bucket getter, um, but he's really interesting, really, really talented shooter, um, sort of kind of a pick of the litter from like Quentin, Quentin Grimes and Dwayne Washington Jr. in terms of like uh, guard shooters that are kind of interesting in this range. Um, Stone, are there any names that, that you kind of like here or any of the guys that Lee brought up that you want to hit on? Uh <laughs> I, I'll say, I feel like I said every podcast, but Eve Pons keeps coming up and it just really speaks volumes, I think, to sort of the how useful his archetype could be. Um, I mean, being able to guard uh, a variety of different sorts of players and give your team different defensive looks uh, could really be useful. Um, so I really like that a lot. Um, you know, I'll always plug my guy JRE. I don't know if he'd be here this late. Um, I'd love that. Yeah, but he would he would be a fantastic pick. Um, probably yeah. unlikely he falls that far. Uh, and then the last guy I would mention, um, I know Davis really likes him a lot too. Would be Jason Preston uh, as a backup guard. I think um, you know he's getting hype. I think a little bit more as of late. So I'm not again not sure how realistic it would be that he'd be there at 56 or 57. But um, just a guy who can you know steadily provide uh some backup point guard minutes keep the team afloat their head above water when Lamelo sits um maybe even play alongside Lamelo. both are pretty big uh it might be confusing when they're both on the court together to, to play <laughs> but um they you know I think Preston would be a pretty good fit there so um th- those would probably just be the names I would I would bring there yeah uh I I do like Preston um uh stone stone took my guy so actually i i gonna take one of stone's guys because he's actually a pretty good fit um 
for the for the team as well, especially that late, which is EJ Ono. Uh, he he kind of started picking up late. Um, I don't know if he'll be drafted, but if he if he is, I feel like it'll be that late second, maybe even a undrafted. But obviously, a, a really good three point shooter, crazy wingspan, and a rim protector. Um, kind of just under the radar. I uh, don't know how he really will do against like higher competition, but I think at that point um, it's it's worth a shot for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then just um, I'll only throw out one name, but uh, you sort of mentioned kind of point of attack defenders, and this guy isn't really bigger. He's definitely more of a guard, um, but Dejan Giroux, I think is is one of the more underrated players in this class. He's someone who's recently just been consistently rising on my board. Um, maybe the best uh, screen navigator in, in the whole class as a guard. And it's just, it's hard to think, you know, if you're looking for point of attack, um, he's probably not going to be the best isolation defender early on. He's still really skinny, but he just gets around the screens. Like that dude just obliterates that. It makes it look like they don't exist. Uh, he was really, really vital. vital. And it's just about, um, if you can figure out uh, uh, how to make him work offensively. Um, but with the 56, 57 pick, that's sort of, uh, that's sort of the best you can look for uh, is just someone who you're going to try and fit in with, uh, with, with an obvious skill. Um, Lee, this has been awesome. Uh, if you or Stone or Davis, if there's anything else you guys want to say before we get out of here, uh, get it off your chest. If not, uh, just let the people know where they can find you all your great work. Uh, you do great stuff at which Carolina is one of the better follows on all of Twitter. So just, uh, just let it all out. Man. All right. Well, I mean, first and foremost, th- thanks for, for having me on and, uh, and thanks for just teeing me up and letting me rant a little bit. Uh, I, I, I do appreciate that. And um, you know, you guys are consistently like putting out awesome content. So just to, just to get to jump on and banter with you guys is, is a real pleasure. Um, so I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, basically just three things. I mean, at which Carolina on Twitter is where you'll, you'll find all of my miles McBride and Sandro, um, you know, gushing tweets, um, the Witch Carolina podcast. You can find that literally on any digital streaming podcast platform that, that you could think of. Um, and then hoopsprospects.com. I'll be doing some, uh, some written content kind of leading up to the draft, like scouting reports and kind of like uh, specific need fit articles and things of that nature. Um, so, uh, and again, I appreciate you guys and shout out stone for hitting a one K followers today on Twitter, man. Well-deserved. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna, yeah, exactly. this is yeah. big thing today is that stone hit the big 1000. Um, I think stone. he even got like 10 more than a thousand too. Yeah, he's growing, man. He's yeah. blowing up, blowing up. Uh, Stone, of course, just one of the best guys uh, I, I've met through this app. Uh, incredibly blessed to have him on the podcast with me. And uh, it's only up from here, my friend. Um, so with that being said, uh, thanks again to Lee Stone. Uh, let's people know where they can find you, your newly minted 1K, and uh, what they got to do. Man, you guys are making me blush over here. Um, yeah, <laughs> shout out to everyone that's followed me, honestly. I've um, been grinding through draft stuff for years on end now, and it's uh, pretty cool to see this many people care about what I have to say regarding it. So 
I appreciate everyone that supports me and supports this podcast. Uh, and if you do so, you should also support Lee's podcast because his is great as well. Um, you could follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. Uh, all my draft stuff will be there. Um, and then you could follow the Upside Swings podcast at Upside Swings on Twitter as well. Um, and then rate and review us if you like what you hear. It really helps us out a lot. Uh, and then underrated um, nickname that Bryce brought up was Griller. I don't think I'm ever going to call him Grand Riller from now on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what my dad wants to be called on the 4th of July. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I can use that for, uh, for an NBA. Uh, Davis, uh, let people know where they can find you, my friend. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at sports by Davis. Um, I, I'm not as, uh, not as, uh, old on, on Twitter as, as some of, as some of these guys, but, um, I am trying my best to grow, especially with, with such good people. So, um, would appreciate, um, every, every follow like, and, uh, you know, anything like that. So, uh, once again, thanks for, uh, leave coming on and, and giving us his knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. This has been great. Uh, Lee is just is absolutely one of the best. He he never f- disappoints with the content. Uh, he was at the combine this year. The live tweets were incredible. That was uh, one of the best things to be watching. And just yeah, Lee scoops were a thing this year. That was I know, I know. This is no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta follow it up now. You know. Yeah, I know. Now, now yeah. there's a weight on your shoulder for next year. Yeah, you can't have a sophomore slump. <laughs> you gotta come up. <laughs> We got to come up with a nickname. Lee Scoops is good. I'm thinking like, like, like witch takes or uh, Lee, Lee Scoop Scoop some. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll figure it out. You got you got a year. I'm you taking year notes. I'm taking notes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you got a year to brainstorm. So That's I right. trust you to figure it out. Um, this has been great. We want to thank him again. I want to thank everyone for listening. This series we've been doing, it's been a ton of work, but it's been really successful and, and we started to get some feedback and it really, it really warms our heart. Um, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. You can find my work at rollcall.com. I've put out two pieces recently, one on the second pick uh, with a lot about Evan Mobley and Jalen Green and one just, uh, I think it was this morning or yesterday, I can't remember, about Alperin Sengun that I that I, I put a lot of work into and uh, the feedback again is just really, it's it's really made my made my week and that's the type of stuff we live for here on Draft Twitter. We love to just to just talk and, and to hear good things about it just, just makes it all that much more worth it. So uh, thanks to all of you. Congrats again to Stone. Uh, thanks to Lee. He's a great guy. Absolutely with the follow at which Carolina uh, read all his stuff as well. And his podcast, we're going to have to get him back on to talk about uh, he's, he's a North Carolina guy as well. And we'll have to get him back on to talk about uh, the new head coach and, and all that stuff before the season gets going. Uh, I still believe in Puff Johnson. I think he's still, I don't think he transferred. That's my guy. Sure. That's my guy. Uh, he, he will someday be an NBA player, just like his brother. Um, this has been long, and we appreciate everyone for listening this far. Uh, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.